That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, is Nestlemania. Alongside for the ride is a man that runs naked on the island of relevancy, JC. I do like being naked. I will say that. And living alone, that might be the biggest perk because if I walk around naked, there's no one to see me. Well, we thank you that no one sees you. But the one thing that I do worry about is that your neighbors will see you. But that's beside the point. Anyway, let's... Well, that's only if I leave my wide slider door open, you know. But yeah, You could have stopped fine. at wide slider, but that's fine. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into the program. There's a lot to do this week. We have full gear uh, predictions at the end of the show. A lot going on with AEW there. But uh, let's start where we always start, in the shine. I'll be honest, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a ton of enjoyment on Raw and SmackDown this week. There's definitely things, but there's one thing that is the shiniest shine of all the shine they gave us what we want Liv morgan is the number one contender for the raw women's championship she had to earn it in a fatal five way uh that match was was fairly fun it was good to see a lot of people get opportunities the other part i did love is that the people who weren't getting the opportunity were upset about it so look at that that's uh there's a lot good going on here, but the biggest shine of the week for me is Liv Morgan will get her opportunity at Becky Lynch. And I think it's safe to say that probably 99 wrestling fans out of 100 have wanted this for a long time. See, here's the thing. I I, I know you know Liv, you know, on a better level than most, or at least, you know, the internet. And so I'm sure you're cheering for her in a different thing. I think she's great, but the issue I'm looking at is I'm, I'm very happy for her. I mean, she's a, like you've said before. There are people who should just get a contendership and lose, and then they've learned a lot, and then you know it helps them grow. Not necessarily the person that's going to dethrone Becky, but when I watch this, I think this is going to be a great test for her in terms of, okay, we we know what she can do. We know she can squeak by and do these little like great little moments, but this is the first moment for her, and I think that's what everybody's excited about. Yeah, it's an opportunity. It's something where she's obviously been around a long time. She's never held a title. She was in NXT for a long time. She's someone who's literally done it all. She's been on TV. She's pretty much over with the crowd. Whenever she's out there, people like to root for her. She's very, she's someone that's just very easy to get behind because she's that true underdog. She's smaller, so she has a lot of working against her. She always has a good attitude. So when you see someone like this get an opportunity and get a shot, it's cool. And you can tell Becky's excited for it too. You can tell since from the moment Liv has been drafted to Rob, Becky, her name has been the first out of Becky's mouth so you know that she's very for this and I think it should be a very fun feud but um, as we move on from that the biggest issue we have and we have this every time of year is that they're always half in and half out on Survivor Series as we saw we talked about last week how there was literally no build for this pay-per-view and now suddenly uh, all of a sudden on Saturday I believe it was Saturday afternoon out of nowhere they just start like listing people on the teams and so now we're in this real this weird time where it's like we have feuds going on but we also have these teams that are supposed to be feuding with the other brand. That's a lot of nonsense. So when I'm looking at things for this week and I'm just like, all that being said, it's really, really tough for me to find things that I enjoyed. But one thing I always enjoy every week, no matter what's going on is the tribal tree chief. He kicked off SmackDown. He took a vacation last week as he so eloquently put and all hell broke loose on SmackDown. It was just as bad as raw, which, you know, we love a good dig here on the Jobber Knocker. So, um, yeah, I thought Rain, the Rain stuff was good. His promo was good. I love Smug Roman. He uh, just passed CM Punk. Congratulations to him as he continues to climb the longest reigns uh, of all time there for the world championships. But, uh, yeah, well, obviously we had the, their feuding with the New Day because um, Reigns will be facing Big E at Survivor Series. So there's a lot of moving parts with this stuff, but there's one consistent thing for me weekly on SmackDown, and that's Roman Reigns is good. I, I chuckled at the one line before the main event where he looked at he looked at Jimmy Uso and he just stared at him and he said, "How many more of your messes am I gonna have to clean up?" And I went, "Yep, I fucking love just little 
I know, and it's like for people that know, no, and people that don't, that's fine. But when you get to those moments and you think, God damn, is that fucking good? Like he, because whether we know it or not, it's implied at least that, you know, he didn't get slapped on the wrist for anything because of who he's related to. Whether that's the truth or not, we don't know. But it's great to put that in something because it's a believable thing for us to get behind and go, you're fucking right. And then, of course, in the main event, supposed to bend the knee, gets punched in the face, his crown gets knocked off his head, as we say in the biz, he knocked his block off. And then, of course, as you said, uh, Kofi Kingston got demolished, it seemed. So now the King yeah. may, I think the way they're showing the graphic, it, sees, it says that Kofi's with him, but hopefully that they leave it in the point where the King has to fight for himself. I think that looks better for, for Xavier. Because I think we all know that Roman Reigns is going to squash him in some form towards the end of the match. But I'd prefer, prefer it not to be a squash in general. So for me, I'm excited to see it because we've always talked about We get reminded every time. Every once in, like, it seems like a blue moon that we get these Xavier Wood matches where they're just so great. And you're like, oh, yeah, every member of the New Day can go. But you never get that. So for me, it's, it's hard um, to root against anything that's going on with Roman Reigns because, honestly, the guy just, he's got that Midas touch. But um, it, it's incredible to me. I, I am curious, though. I don't know if this is a good place to talk about it. We could probably talk about it more in the heat, but Survivor Series in general has got, you know, this feeling of it's a, it's a who cares. Yeah, no, 100%. And 100%. We, we can't get to that. I do have a follow-up question for you, though, sure. about Woods. But, but before I get there, I will tell you how Friday will play out. Uh, Reigns and Woods will probably be given a 15-ish match. Reigns will win. After the match, they will beat down Woods. Kofi will already be out of commission. And Big E will come out for the save. And that will be the where we'll get the stare down for the Survivor Series package. But my follow-up question for you is, because obviously Xavier Woods has been a long time. He's uh, held multiple tag team championships, been in a lot of big matches, a lot of great matches. Do you think that this is the biggest match of his career on Friday? I think for him, the King of the Ring was the biggest match of his life. Okay. I think that's the, for, when I look at, when I, well, I look at it two different ways. For uh, an accomplishment, it's King of the Ring. But in terms of a test... I feel like he's wrestled Roman Reigns before. I could be wrong. Yeah, but with this kind of level, because right now Xavier Woods, like the, with this gimmick that he has and winning the King of the Ring, he's put himself on a main event type level. When he's wrestled guys like Reigns or Lashley before, it's been more of like, yeah, he's friends with the guy who's the main event guy, so they're fighting him. That's why I think this one, at least singles, I think it's the biggest match of his career. You, you could argue that some of the tag matches were bigger because like the Hell in a Cell against the Usos and those were like iconic matches. But to me, when I'm looking at this for Xavier Woods, I think this is the biggest opportunity of his singles career. I could be talked into it, but I think for me, I just look at it like, and I think the way I'm going to discredit this, and I'm not discrediting you, JC, it's just specifically the, the iteration of what it is. I think in order to take Woods completely seriously or like take the reign of the king, not seriously, but take it as a, a momentous occasion and, and believe in it, I would have preferred this match to take place on a pay-per-view. You know what I mean? I know I know. based on where it is, it just it is the what it is. I get that. But I think in order, to, you could tell me that you could hold off in this and make it Woods, versus Reigns at a pay-per-view, and I'd believe it. It's just the bad timing of things, in my opinion. And I think that would be the biggest of his career. The fact that it's on SmackDown makes me, as a fan, feel like he's lesser than. And not that I'm saying he is. I'm just saying it's the perception of what I think other people think of him, which may not be true. I understand that, and I actually I agree with it for the most part, and I think you hit on the main thing there is that it's a tough part of the calendar because with Survivor Series, that's forced in. There's no December pay-per-view this year. The rumors are doing something around New Year's instead. Um, and I don't know if it's going to go along that round, uh, around that lawn. So I do think it's a issue with the calendar in terms of a pay-per-view. But we have to move on here. And for me, I'm looking at the rest of it. And there's only one other. Well, there are a few other things I love. But one thing that I absolutely loved is you know, Chad Gable going to Raw is great. No, why WrestleMania? With that extra hour, Chad Gable's on my TV a lot, and even better, he's wrestling. And he's wrestling longer-ish matches for what we normally get from him. He got to wrestle the WWE champion, and shame on the freaking crowd, because this match was a ton of fun and awesome, and they were just kind of dead. They were, it wasn't the best crowd on Monday anyways, but I love this. I love Chad Gable getting these opportunities. I like the Big E Otis stare down, because it's big meaty men slapping meat. It's a nice tease. I love the way the Alpha Academy has been presented. They got their music back this week after the weird thing happened last week, where they had weird music. I love their triumphant music, so I'm digging 
that this move for this team to Raw, because obviously they're going to move into the tag team picture eventually. But I think right now I'm loving them getting a little little bit of work here with the WWE champion, Big E, who has a lot of moving parts going on for him. I think it's hard. I mean, we enjoy multiple contenders and stuff, but I, I'm, I'm in a point where I'm just kind of looking at it like, I think if Survivor Series meant something for me, I'd feel better about where we are. But I'm more excited about after Survivor Series than Survivor Series. I, you know what I mean? Like, I... I don't care about Survivor Series. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to switch titles. The Survivor Series match, for all intents and purposes, doesn't have any stakes at this particular juncture, I don't believe. No, Although, it doesn't. that was something I brought out on, on uh, Jabberknocker on, on Twitter, but that was a great discussion, by the way, so thank you for all the people that, that uh, wrote back. But it, it's hard for me to look at it and go, oh, yeah, I'm excited for Survivor Series. No, I want to see what happens afterwards. I, I, to me, I could miss this. I can, I, this is the first time, I think, in a while where I don't think I would miss much if I went and, and, and forgot. Do, do we want to go to the heat? Sure, let's do it. Yeah, because I think we, we're hitting on the biggest heat right now is that, I mean, I, in the past, there have been years where I've defended Survivor Series because even though most of the time it doesn't mean a lot, there's usually some good build where there's like, you know, like good storylines going in with guys on the same team and stuff. But just, man, them doing the draft a couple weeks before this makes it a lot harder, too, because everything's so jumbled. People are trying to find their footing in the new landscape already, and you're kind of, like, tossing stuff around. It's just it feels very forced this year more than ever. And the champion versus champion thing has always kind of been not a great thing. Like, And I think we've talked about it pretty much the last couple years because there isn't really any stakes besides these quote-unquote bragging rights. And WWE kind of shoehorns themselves into some matches they might not want to do and, you know, trying to cop their way out of it because, you know, it's hard to pin one of your champions a lot of the times, even if it is another champion. So they all these ones are always in a tough spot. But this year they literally have just been like, you know what? We're just not going to promote it really at all. And that's what, like we saw with like the dump and, you know, now they're starting to promote Roman Biggie, Charlotte Becky, but they didn't promote Priest and Nakamura at all. They didn't produce the RK bro versus freaking Usos, which, oh my God, you want to talk about something that should be a lot of fun, but it's like, yeah, no, whatever. We're just kind of in our own world. So yeah, the biggest heat for me at this time of year is it's, it's so convoluted coming off the draft. You have all these new people coming in, all these different storylines you're trying to begin that are feel so fresh but you're forcing in the Survivor Series shit on the side. And like you said, it's a lot to try to comprehend and understand. And I think it waters everything down and makes it a really tough watch. So we can talk about this very quickly. But for me, Survivor Series, you and I, I think we had the discussion at nauseum about the stakes, about not having enough stakes. There was a video from King Woods, which I thought was outstanding. And I don't know if anybody's going to take him up on the offer, if that's what's really going to happen. But I was excited at least for this. It was winning team, of Survivor Series, then has a five-man elimination match in which they decide the numbers of 26 through 30 in the Royal Rumble, and Mm -hmm. then the losing team figures out one through five. I thought at least that's something. It makes it seem a little bit more important in terms of, you know, getting ready for a Royal Rumble, getting ready for WrestleMania season. But uh, there are a lot of great things that were said in the Jabberknocker thread that I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I really think, you know, having people compete for something, to me especially for the Royal Rumble as like a bigger deal would be incredible. I think that's what WWE is missing in terms of there's nothing like, you know, and we've had this discussion too in here. The reason why Survivor Series worked was because they put the heels on one side and baby faces on the other side. And there was people who had feuds all coming together. So it made sense. But this, for me, champion versus champion is like the one night of the year that everybody wrestles each other. And it's like, well, that's fucking bullshit because we, we all know that there's a wild card rule that they just pull out whenever they want, but they also just decide, you know, oh, so-and-so's sick or someone's hurt, whatever. We're just going to throw somebody at you to do this thing over here, and Roman Reigns is going to show up because it's a special show in Madison Square Garden and yada, yada, yada. Like, they'll find a way to, to, to make it seem not as special when these people come together. And to your point, JC, we just did a draft, so these matchups, for the most part, don't feel that special because... Up until uh, we had a we had a Latin, last minute uh, replacement on Raw, the whole the whole Raw team was from SmackDown, which was <laughs> fucking ridiculous to me. But I will say this as a because I see a lot of people like bitching about that, but the way I look at that is that if you're if you're drafted by Raw and you're from SmackDown, that means Raw liked you better than SmackDown. It's the same thing as like you go in free agency or you get traded, like. You don't play for that team anymore. You represent your new team. So that aspect of it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers some 
some people, but I understand the point because it's just everything is so fresh. As a viewer, you're making it so hard for us to invest and buy into this shit. And it's just, it's an exhibition. And it's like, we get enough exhibitions on weekly TV and WWE that why are we at, pay-per-views are supposed to be the things that mean something, where storylines pay off, where titles change hands, where returns happen, where moments are made. But this Survivor Series, it's like, sure, in the 5v5s, you can sometimes get a big moment. Um, like Keith Lee's a few years ago, that was a big moment. It, it's really a shame what happened last week. We can talk about that stuff later um, in terms of his release and on with a lot of others. But it's like it's they don't really set themselves up for those opportunities as much by having it the way this way. So it's it's tough. And I'm just looking at this entire week. You can start running through stuff if you want. But it's just a lot of it was just like, eh, didn't it do didn't, much It me. didn't really go anywhere. Like, okay, so we I'll just start. I'll just piss through the rest of what I thought. And you can stop me if you want to talk about it. So we had the Sonya Deville promo trying to light a fire under, you know, Naomi. It's a whole thing. We all hate that whole thing. Naomi and, and Shayna was a rerun. You know, Naomi won and all that stuff or whatever. Hey, your boy, Rich Holland's on uh, television, sucking Samus' dick. Wonderful. Shotzi does a heel thing about how Sasha ruined her life. At least it's good something. Like it, 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 but it, she's going to run over her tank. She doesn't need a tank. If her tank's gone, does that make her more of a heel? Whatever. Well, this is So this is a tough one for me because... I that promo by Shotzi, I didn't feel it. I like it's one of those things where it's like, I understand why they want to make her a heel. I get it. But she's so freaking likable by just being the weirdo. And since she's the weirdo, they're trying to make her a weirdo heel, like with the crazy looks and the tanks and everything. But it's just I like they're they're redoing a character that I don't really think needed redoing. They just kind of had to give her time and let her do her thing. That promo from her felt really forced and it was just like a generic heel promo like you guys turned on me it's like now the audience didn't turn on you that's it's whenever they pull those lines when it isn't true it just like doesn't ring well for me i'm thrilled shotzi's on tv she's immensely talented i'm her and sasha are probably gonna have a fun little feud here and shotzi should be a staple in the smackdown women's division but this character change it was just one of those where i'm just kind of like yeah i personally think it's a step back maybe it'll get better and maybe i'll be wrong but for me it just i don't know i didn't love it what if she was able to put more of the horror aspect of her everyday life into kind of a character to be a little bit more deranged? Because we've seen her. I mean, obviously, whew, whew, we see her. But I mean, we think they're, we think they're going to allow her to do that. Though. I Here's the thing. I think, you know, will they allow it? Who knows? But I think if Shotzi was able, I mean, obviously, she's turned it up to 11 anyway because we like her. But if she made it more deranged in some type of way, that that's something, right? Like, there's you got to start somewhere. And I think... I think if Sasha has to be a baby face, which to me, we've all talked about this, but we want Sasha. Better to heal. Heal. Yeah. But I think if you're going to put her in that role that she's just the boss and waiting to take, you know, the next title, that's whatever. But Shotzi really needs to come out and turn something on. And if she's going to do it, I'd say make her deranged, more deranged than she already is. I think it'd be fun because if you take the aspects, if you strip her away of the, the funness of her with, you know, take the tank away, do these other things, but you end up, creating maybe a little bit more creepiness. Maybe you do something that makes every, you know, every male very upset and you make her cover up, whatever. You know, it's like you do all sorts of things that, you know, the opposite of what you want to see, people will boo eventually. So it's just like, you know, you can find ways to like do it and make people go, well, I'm fucking pissed. You know, and so they'll, they'll find a way. They know how to agitate people. So I think it, <laughs> I think it can work out, honestly. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, maybe because I'm a big fan I want it to work I'm out. I'm a fan right? of her too. And I think that's part of the reason is because I've really come to like the character she had embraced and kind of created for herself. And she overachieved in my opinion, in terms of like in winning me over. But so it was just a shame for me to them to just like flip it. And I know they do that a lot when you get to the main roster. They do like this. They're like, just forget what you saw. Here's this, but it's, I don't know. It is what it is. All right, moving on. The Los Lotharios have an actual name and angel gets hyphenated. I'm sorry. Cut to just angel. That's a whole thing. Humberto got cut too. Don't bury the lead. Shimmy's just Humberto now. Well, he's only one Shimmy from now on, is what I've been told. Yeah, he's just Shimmy. He's just Shimmy. Shimmy, yeah. Shimmy, Shimmy yeah. Shimmy, yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> they win, and uh, who cares over Mansoor and uh, you know Cesaro? Because breaking up Ali was a whole good thing. Uh, Aaliyah and Jeff Hardy backstage with uh, the elder statesman Sammy, which was you know it is what it is. Nice way to introduce Aaliyah, which obviously for good reason. But you know, she's on the Survivor Series team. Good for she her. She is. Uh, you know, maybe that's a, that'll be her uh, big moment. Maybe she'll win. Who knows? Mm. Um, it is what it is. Open challenge <laughs> from the Mac, which you know, 
Ricochet did a good job. We'll move on from there. King Woods, we talked about the promo. Viking Raiders on Happy TV. As a happy Corbin guy. This is a waste of my time. This was Yeah, so I've been waiting for because I, I like I enjoy in a vacuum Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss. I think it's a good thing, but they're not really doing anything. They're just like, oh yeah, go run your happy talk. It's not really gonna be a talk show. We're gonna have some random baby faces come out. You guys are just gonna fight and then we're gonna have a random tag match. It's just like it's very repetitive. It's just like replacing who it is. There's no moving forward or investing into something like I just, it's, it's not, and this was, this, this was, you could completely fast forward and miss. It was a waste. It was a good way, I guess, for the Vikings to kind of get their shit back on SmackDown a little bit, but it just, I don't know. It just, this was mostly a waste of time and that's coming from a Corbin guy. So moving on to something else that was uh, kind of whatever it, you, we can talk about it or not. Um, Sammy Zayn and hit row. We can talk about how hit row is, you know, be fabulous essentially. Yeah. I'm bummed. But uh, it's hard. I mean, we can talk about the releases now. We can talk about the releases later, whatever we want to do. But it is incredibly hard to uh, watch Hit Row. It looks like they just don't know what to do. At least it seems that way. But it, again, it they, is they, they, they don't see. I think over time it'll be okay. But just the way that group of four won all of us over so immediately with how like charismatic they were and legit they felt and how good Swerve was in the rain. And we just were watching them, you know, get more and more comfortable on screen to pull away something that was probably what I thought really was the glue of the group and kind of like brought it to that next level. It was just, it was hard to see. I don't think they did a bad job at all. Um, I don't, I thought the thing with Sammy, it was fine. Like they're slowly introducing us to them. But yeah, I think it's gonna take me a while to get over this one because it just—I I would that one caught me more off guard than anything. It was—I was just completely stunned, and I, yeah, it just—it felt like something was missing because something was missing. You know, I don't know how else to put it. All right, moving on to Raw, we have—and uh, again, pit, you know, stop me at any time because uh, nope. we can talk. Okay, exactly. Uh, we have <laughs> we have beaten over by a club promo central with Seth Rollins, KO, Mysterios, like. It was all night, KO, will he, won't he? And, like, literally by the third promo, I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's not only a matter of time that he's going to do it. It's probably going to happen in the main event. Booyaka, it happened in the main event. And all I could think about was, why? Like, like, couldn't you have waited to, like, after Big E beat Seth Rollins to do that? Like, maybe, and again, somebody can write better than me, obviously. They, they, they do it all the time. But it was, this was like, open up your mouth. We're going to shove down a buffet of promo down to you and you're going to like it. And it was, I'm not exaggerating. It was like one, two, three, four. I'm probably missing one. That was a lot. There were five, at least five promos before we got to the match. Five. That's a lot. Which they do do this a lot on Raw with their main thing, but this one did seem like extreme overkill. And that's why to me, like the turn, like we weren't surprised about it. Like Kevin Owens does this shit all the time. We like him better as like this badass, like quote unquote heelish type character. Like that's what we've always liked him for better as, but it's just, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things where I don't think any of these guys are doing bad. I enjoy Owens and Seth back and forth. I enjoy them mixing it in with Big E. But it's just like with the Survivor Series looming and all these other things, it's just it's taking away from everything and bringing it down a notch. And this, like you said, with the five segments before, it was a lot of overkill. So by the time we got there, I was fatigued. I almost fell asleep. I'm not going to lie to you. And the match wasn't bad. I just almost fell asleep. I fast-forwarded most, but not going to lie, because I wanted to go to sleep. Yeah, it was tough. It was a tough watch. It was, And the whole Raw was a tough watch. Anyway, yeah. moving on to something else. There was an eight-man tag. Fuck you. We're not going to talk about it. Um... It is what it is. We're going to move on to our... Well, I'm sorry. There was a sixth promo with our truth I forgot about that, by the way. <laughs> and moving on to something that's not necessarily heat because there were good things in it, but the heat in general, the overall emphasis, 24, you know, 24-7 title was on the line in an actual match where they don't have that. Um, but the good bright side was that Corey Graves finally won a main roster championship. That was a cool moment. Byron Saxton winning. That was hilarious. And then, of course, it goes back to Drake Maverick. Then it goes back to, you know, Reggie, which to me, it besides the two that we just discussed, basically you told me you didn't have to have that entire segment because it went back to the original person. So thank you. That's kind of how these segments go. You know, it's one of those things. So when I look at I mean, these are always tough because I think they're 99% of the time it's like it's the heat. But it's just like in the moment, like when that shit's happening, 
it is briefly fun, but you are you are right. It moves nothing forward. But the twenty four seven title is not about that. It's something that's an, it's an in the moment title. So that's why I always struggle with it because like yeah, it was fun in those moments. Are really cool, especially for Corey and Byron. That stuff was awesome. They can talk about this forever. Um, but yeah, it just obviously it leads to nothing. But again, I think we also have to look at it like that's not the point of this title. This title is an in the moment title because it's just it is what it is. It's supposed to be like a little fun thing and. You know, it, it's probably the best on Reggie because of the chase. That's what it is. But it just, it's, yeah, that's about, that's about all I want to talk about for it. So I don't have anything else specific. So if you want to get into the heat of the, the releases, we're more than welcome to get there. Yeah, we can talk about this. So obviously, you know, uh, when you're a business and WWE employs a lot of people, there's going to be layoffs, but that doesn't make them any easier. They suck. You don't want to see anyone lose their job. And it was, it's a sad day. They always are. They're always a rough day. Um, hopefully that all of them will land on their feet. Um, most of them will, because a ton of them are immensely talented. I already mentioned how BFAB was probably the biggest shocker to me, because that was someone who just got called up as a group, a group that was red hot, who they made a point in the draft to really point out, like, yeah, these guys were going to make them stars on SmackDown. So to take away an element, and what I think is the key element of that group, was a shock. Um, obviously, Keith Lee uh, is a shock because of this, the way he was seemed to be ascending before you know, kind of like the pandemic hit and then he had his own health issues and all this. It just really derailed it. You can read and believe whatever you want, whatever it is, it's still a shock because this guy was a guy that looked like he was a main eventer down the line, maybe even sooner rather than later. Um, so those two to me really were surprising, but it's just surprising to look at like even like a name like Nia Jax jumps off the stage and all these, some of these people that were literally like in the draft a few weeks ago were drafted like a Keith Lee who was getting rebranded as this new Bearcat thing. To see it just cut, it's like it really puts in perspective that it's a business. There's a spreadsheet that has people's names and the numbers next to them, which are their salaries. And they're like, we got to cut this much. And they start adding it up like a math problem. That's what this shit is. And it sucks, but that's part of the real world. But it just, it really hurts because wrestling is so unique that we invest in these people. We invest in these characters. We become fans of them. And when you feel like there's unfinished stories, to see them just done like that, it hurts. And it hurts for the humans that it happened to. Now, I'm going to go through the list very quickly. You tell me which ones that you see that are shocking or that you think need to be something said about. Nia Jax for me, big one. I'm a Nestle supporter. I mean, Nia Jax supporter for me. Eva Marie, shooting movies. Yeah. Right? They, they, they brought her back. She did her job with Dewdrop. Dewdrop, if you want to read something about this, Dewdrop had some amazing quotes about Eva and how she'll be forever grateful for her because Eva Marie literally came back, introduced us to Dewdrop, put her over about six times, and then was gone. So Eva probably isn't done with this company because she's someone they could easily resign. But, but yeah, certainly wasn't something I expected. Mia Mia Yim, obviously she's married or going to be married to uh, Keith Lee. That probably was a package deal. Maybe we don't know. Uh, moving on, Harry Smith never saw the light of television anyway. Unfortunately, you brushed yeah, upon. Was... Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just gonna say that was surprising because they brought him back and it seemed like he was gonna get a push over NXT UK, but I don't think he ever even appeared. So yeah. Keith Lee, you 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 know you talked about the helmet head, uh, carrying cross, which to me was a big one as well, especially Surprise. and Scarlet. You know, again, package deal, probably part of the the issue here. Um, Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metalik, obviously, you know those guys did it what they seemed could. like they wanted out. Those guys yeah. have been pretty vocal about wanting out, so they got their wish. I think they're going to be great in other places. So I think like an impact oh, or Japan or, yeah. or Mexico, obviously. I think all those guys are going to be doing great. Jeet Rama, I don't necessarily know much about that. Uh, I think these are the, the NXTs. Uh, Katrina Cortez. Trey Baxter surprised me because obviously, you know, the relationship there with uh, your your girl. Um, Cora Jade. Yeah. And then uh, Zeta Remia and then Jessa Kimia. I think uh, that one I knew Jesse, a little. Jesse Kamea. She was the part of the Robert Stone brand. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of like yeah, B-Fab you talked about. Your boy o Oni Lorcan's going to do fine. Obviously, I already saw the announcements. Um, yeah. So he's he's already got booked for what seems like an eternity. Ember Moon is the big surprise for me. Yep. I'm not necessarily the biggest Ember Moon fan, but I respect the athleticism. I respect that she's the best at what she does. She's awesome. Um. But to see them kind of do that, I was kind of surprised because she, you know, they liked her enough to keep her around for that crappy, fo you know, Esport, or is it the Fox Sports One backstage show? And well, she, she was injured for over a year right. with that because she was on crutches a lot. And right. I mean, Ember Moon was someone that the first couple times I saw her wrestle, I was blown away yeah. because she did things in the ring that I hadn't seen women do, period. And just, it was just, it was, she's incredible. Like you said, an incredible athlete. Um, the character was getting there. We, I loved her in NXT. Her finish, obviously, is one of the coolest finishers there is. 
Um, she kind of went to NXT. It seemed like she had said it was her choice because she kind of wanted to rebuild her stuff. And, but then she has kind of, she's been kind of by the wayside. And it was always one of those things. Cause I remember like one of the first drafts she was there, Fo- like Fox, she was like the one Fox had targeted as like, we want to be her, be the next big star. Then the injury happened and it kind of derailed her. And I guess it never really recovered, but like you, I still think that talent's there. I think wherever she's going to go, she's going to be incredible. Um, so yeah, I think she's just going to be just fine. And she's someone, when I look at this list and I, I know that all the speculation, like, oh, Tony's going to sign everyone. If I'm Tony Khan, this is the first name that I'm picking up the phone for because I think she would be a game changer in their women's division. Oh, I don't disagree at all. I think she's definitely, you know, yeah. I looked at this list and I thought, they were, if I'm Tony Khan, and I'm not, but if I was, we'll, we'll, we'll say Frankie Monet and Scarlett we talked about as well. But So here's the thing. I look at this and I go, well, you know, I feel like if I'm Tony, I'm picking up, you know, Keith Lee, Mia Yim. I don't think Cross is coming. I don't. I think, no, Cross, I think Cross will probably head back to Impact. Yeah, I think that seems fun. like a big deal. Trey Baxter might make an appearance on an AEW Dark. But, you know, Oni Larkin could do really well. And uh, I think that's it. Like, I look at this round and I think that's probably all he needs. I don't, and that's not discrediting anybody else we talked about. I just think that these other people will do better other places. Because AEW, as we talked about, has become the land of very hard to find a spot for you to actually do something anymore. So here's what it is. Very quickly, I don't want to get into a political argument with you at all, JC. Some people have talked, but some people have talked about it being a vaccination issue for some, which sucks if that's really the issue. Um, You know, your body, you're right, obviously, is how I feel about it, Um, but... It seems like when it comes to a, a contractor job, you know, it's like you have the right to employ who you want, and it seems like that's where they're going with it, if that is the case. So this here's the issue with this for me, and granted, it could be a decision, but if there is any hint that it is, WWE could be hit with pretty damaging lawsuits if, like, evidence is found that that's the reason, because... Unless if there's something you have them sign or whatever, like that's not that would that would be a labor law issue. So I that's why when I read that stuff, I was just like, eh, it's this seems it's a lot. It's very speculatory. Sure. I mean, we don't know who was released if they if they were vaccinated or not. That's whatever their business, whatever. Um, but to me, that was why it was kind of like a thing to me where it's like, yeah, maybe when they're running down the names and the numbers and they're like, well, this person's unvaccinated, it makes this easier, but. They, that will never really, if that ever comes out, they'd be in dig, deep shit, which is why I think it's one of those things like people can argue about it and speculate all you want. Like it's, it's not worth your time because it's always going to be unfounded. Cause even if it is true, like if there's, they're not going to allow that evidence to like ever like be confirmed sure. because they'd be pretty fucked. So yeah, it's tough. But again, given what they're doing, it's just like we've seen with the other sports. Like the other sports are punishing unvaccinated players longer because they want you to be vaccinated. Like we've seen all these things with different athletes, like different protocols to getting back to playing. Wrestling isn't much different, and they're traveling even more in some cases than a lot of these sports teams. So it is what it is. It's you know. And finally, putting a bow on this release thing, hopefully for now, is the comment that is an age issue, JC. How do you feel about this? This seems to me like it has a little bit more traction than what we talked about previously because a lot of these people are in, not all of them, but some are in the older uh, category. Well, so this is something with the releases in general. I think age is always a factor because it's one of those things like when you're running through things, first of all, the older, older, the people who've been around more, the more veterans are probably making more money. So that's why in any sport you see those are the ones that get cut because it's like they're getting paid. Suddenly you're paying X amount of value for their performance and they're underperforming. Well, that's a bad investment. It's time to cut your losses. So in terms of that in wrestling, I don't I see that as a normal thing. I don't really see it out of the ordinary, especially like we know NXT has gone to more quote unquote a youth movement, but their main champion is an older guy. So I don't think it's I think it's still a mix. I think it's just they're trying to get the younger people more opportunities. Because like we've talked about the last couple of years of NXT, there's been a log jam because people are refusing to move up for whatever reason. So it is what it is. But I think in general, when you come to releases, like it's going to be a lot more veteran talent. It's people that you feel like you got all you could get out of them. And maybe that, you know, it's they're not really worth it anymore. It's time for someone else to take that spot. So for me, like, yeah, it is what it is. I think that's in general, that's something that's always been a thing. But I don't think this is any different from those. I think it's just given like the comments that have come about the rebranding of NXT is why people are maybe more vocal about it. 
Okay, that's fine. I mean, I look at it like uh, it seems like a no-brainer to me because if these people don't have – like, so me, like, I didn't know BFAB was 30. To me, that's not old. I'm 35, so, you know, I feel older than everybody else. But when I think of 30, I think 30 is very young. But in wrestling years, it is not. It is really not. I mean, people are coming out wrestling now. You know, our boy over the – this, you know, the pond. Our boy, Danny, where there's a little boy, Leo, starting at 10 years old, crying out loud. So, you, you know, 30 to teach BFAB, unfortunately, all the ropes – in the ring is is, is going to take a lot of time, but I thought she was worth it. I really did. So that's she'd be very young for the main roster, though. Is the yeah. difference if she was still in NXT, I could understand that. But the fact that you're calling her up, like I mean, the majority of the main rosters pushing thirty five to lot pushing forty. So sure. that's just kind of is because it's more veterans to be to do that type of work schedule and stuff. But again, for me personally, I never really saw her. I never was really looking at her as like a wrestler more. She was more a part of that group and like a more of not really a manager type, but a more of that ilk for me. So that's why it's I, it came as such a surprise. Cause it's like, if that was their expectation that she was going to become a wrestler as part of this group, then, you know, I, I don't know. I never saw that anyway. So. Okay. Uh, you want to get hopeful? Yeah, we might as well. After that, we had to get hopeful. All right. Here's my hope. I noticed that obviously we're going to talk about, excuse me. Replacements happening on the Survivor Series team. And I think Rey Mysterio is going to get out of the... Excuse me. Oh, my God. <coughs> wow. Do you want me to go first so you can catch your breath? Sure. All right. I will go first as Adam catches his breath there. Mr. Nestlemania. You know, it happens sometimes, you know, and you, you talk and you just can't talk no more. So that's why I'm here. And I didn't really have a hope, so I'm going to come up with one. Right now, I got one. So I'm going to look ahead to full gear. We're going to talk about predictions soon enough. Coming around the bend. But I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, obviously, with Moxley, checking himself out for a little while of the wrestling scene. Good for him. Very proud of him. I think that's awesome um, that he's getting the help that he thinks he needs. Um, we have Miro was given the opportunity of replacing him. And he defeated Orange Cassidy and is headed to full gear to take on Brian Danielson. And I'm thinking, I think the expectation, a lot of us will obviously want Hangman to win. My expectation is, yeah, they're going to pull the trigger. Because AEW, for the most part, they eventually give us what we want, which I think is cool. And I think Hangman deserves it. I think he's ready. I think uh, it's time for Omega to have a little shift, too, away from the title. I think he could do more with their own little, like, stable fighting than in terms of being the champion. But I'm also looking, it's like, man, if Brian Danielson wins that number one contender, Sure, they could find a way to make it a one-off with Hainman and not flip the title immediately and give him like a big win right away. But it just in terms of like storylines and stuff, like that's a tough first feud for Hainman. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, I, I think Moxley was gonna win this match anyways, because we saw him becoming more of that unhinged Moxley where he could have like not really been a heel, but pretty much been a heel for that feud. Um, I think Miro should and will win this match and be the number one contender and be the first opponent for Adam Hainman Hainman Page. Obviously, we know Miro's work as a heel in AEW, um, God's favorite champion. Now God's, what does he call himself, Forsaken champion or whatever. He's been phenomenal. His backstage promos, I think, are the best in the business right now. I tweeted that, um, and I, I stand by it because I think they're incredible. They're just like 30 to 45 seconds of him just like eating my soul alive. So putting a hangman against a guy like that who's going to get extreme heat, you already have hangman way over. I think it's a good hot feud where – you know, Hangman can beat Miro. Miro obviously has, for the most part, been unbeatable, so I still think it's that big level win. The only problem is is you're probably not going to have Miro just beat Brian Danielson clean with how he's been presented and everything. But Kenny Omega, at this time when they fight, could probably still be the champion. Maybe his goons or something get involved, or hell, maybe Lana does actually make her debut in AEW at some point and help out Miro. But I just think it's a Brian danielson Hangman feud right off the bat. Whoo! That would be tough sledding. So for me, that's my hope is give me Miro because, first of all, I love Miro. But I think Miro and Hangman would be a great feud. I think Miro's deserving of being in the world title picture. He proved that as being God's favorite champion of the TNT Championship. But uh, I think this is a good um, one of those things in wrestling all the time. you kind of got to roll with the punches and adjust on the fly because, you know, you could have the perfectly laid booking plans and something derails it. It happened in this case. Miro's the perfect plug and play. So that's my hope. Miro upends Brian Danielson at full gear to become the number one contender. All right. Hopefully I have my ball bearings back now. Um, <laughs> my hope specifically is I was thinking about how they're going to replace people on Raw or SmackDown for different things. For me, I am going to look at this specifically based on the way that I, I think Rey Mysterio is going. I think Rey, especially from that promo afterwards where he was getting iced up and he looks real flustered and he, he couldn't say what he wanted to say. It was very odd. Um, obviously, people have bad promos. It happens. 
But I would like to see Austin Theory challenge Rey Mysterio and take his Survivor Series spot because I think mm. having Austin Aries in there, no, excuse me, wow, Austin Theory, <laughs> excuse me, definitely different. Austin Theory in there would make a bigger deal for everybody. I think that having Austin Theory in there, he can eat a pin. It's not a huge deal, but having him in that spotlight, I mean, it might be too much for, too soon for the little guy, but I say little guy, young guy. Little guy. <laughs> but uh, he's probably huge. He's got probably bigger biceps than my entire head. But, I mean, having him get into that moment I think would be really cool um, because, you know, he, he had that moment backstage, you know, you know the other day on, on Monday Night Raw where he was taking the selfie when they were getting iced up. So that isn't over yet. And I think that it would be a nice little chunk of change here. I like the idea of, like, every person on Raw being a, a world champion. I think that's kind of cool. But does it really matter? I don't think so. I don't think Rey Mysterio on that championship team really needs anything, personally. But that's up to me. Anyway, I think I'm going to go right into my uh, comeback off of that because we're talking about robber placements. I'm giving my comeback to Bobby Lashley and MVP coming back, getting rid of, thank Christ, Dominic out of that fucking shit very quickly because uh, Dominic don't deserve to be in that match. We all know it, so it Stop is what it. it is. He doesn't deserve it. He deserves it, but Bobby Lashley's a better choice. No, Bobby Lashley deserves it more. That's what you want to say. No, that's pretty much the same thing I just said. Not really. Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean Dominic's undeserving. Yeah, Lashley deserves a lot more than a lot of people because he just was the WWE champion. He's a stud. Hurt business, stud. Good to see MVP back too, baby. I'm excited because I think that uh, Bobby Lashley needs a new kind of feud. And uh, after losing that WWE championship, we're kind of in this weird limbo. I could see Bobby Lashley winning the WWE Royal Rumble. Brock somehow gets that championship right before WrestleMania. We got Brock and Lashley at Mania. I think that'd be awesome. Personally. Better yet, Lashley Roman, baby. No, no. Brock way. ain't getting either of those titles. Big E and Roman are walking into WrestleMania with the championships. I think I think Big E will lose it before Mania. Personally, that's just I don't me. think so. I don't think so. We, we disagree on that. But my comeback WrestleMania goes to pew, pew 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 Ricochet, my boy. They drafted him on SmackDown. It seems like he's going to be on TV a lot more. We've already seen it. He answered Drew McIntyre's open challenge. And I'll say this, because Ricochet and promos don't go together. That was probably the quote-unquote edgiest promo he's ever had. So good for him. He had a little bit of an edge, which you don't see. But more of why he's getting my comeback is because him and Ali have had a lot of magic in the past. But what was interesting is in the middle of this match, they interviewed Ali backstage, and he said that him and Ricochet had a lot in common. And we've kind of like, when these two have feuded in the past, we're like, man, they could be a really fun flippy tag team. And SmackDown seems to be adding more of those flippy tag teams with the Los Darios and stuff. So I wouldn't rule this out, but we've kind of like talked in the past of Ricochet being a heel, maybe as part of the Hurt Business's stuff, and it's never happened. It's tough because obviously everything Ricochet does in the rain is babyface, but man, with Ali, it could be a different type of feel. So that intrigued me a little bit. He obviously later did reject Ali backstage and said he's more of a whiner, not a winner. I thought that was pretty good. But Ricochet's getting my comeback because he's my boy. And the Claymore he took out of midair, mwah. Ricochet takes a finish better than anyone in the fucking company. And I'm here for it. Let him take all the finishes. He's a stud. So, Ricochet, you get my comeback. He almost got my comeback because he smacked the shit out of the Mac. I thought that was great. I just love that shit. Anyway, we get time for the big old finish. We have AW everywhere, it seems. We've got so yep. many other things to talk about. So, JC, this is where I let you take over the controls. We're going to go rapid fire through this week's NXT and AW. Your boy, the Creed Brothers, are taking on Kushido and Gyro. Who you got? The Creed Brothers are on my TV? Hell yeah, baby. Sign me the fuck out. I'm out. Creed well, Brothers. Well, better yet, Nestlemania, I see that, and I raise you a six-woman tag. Hold on, hold on. Okay. Casey. I just got to say one thing before you go off. When I look at the Creed Brothers. Oh, God. I, it's like if someone took Forrest Gump. And, like, multiplied it twice, injected them with steroids, and said, here's two left feet. Like, when I look at the Creed Brothers, I get, I chuckle because I go, these guys could fucking kill me, sure. But they are, like, to me, overgrown, just ogres that have no coordination and would, like, in college just beat everybody up. Like, that's what they do. Like, I can't, I can't watch them. I'm sorry. I, I can't. When they were on my TV... I am not on it. I will fast forward it. I will do whatever I can. Sorry, go ahead. I, I know you're anti them, but they are going to get a mega push. And chances are in WrestleMania, they will improve in terms of their wild, wild west uh, style there in terms of whatever. It'll probably rain it in a bit as they get better because I've 
as far as I know, they're pretty new to the company. So, so I think you will get your wish. You will see them eventually, whatever. But I think right now they just kind of love them throwing people around. So that's their thing. But we have a six woman tag: EO, Casey, and Caden taking on Toxic Attraction, baby. I uh, I do love Toxic Attraction, so I'm gonna say Toxic Best. Attraction. Yeah, and I know what else I love? EO and Mandy. It was literally like one of my hopes, and it's already happening. I'm, I'm excited. NXT right now, I will say, I have a blast watching that show. It's just fun, man. Just just that in AEW right now, it's just been a lot of fun just, just to watch it. So um, good for NXT. I think they're finally starting to find their stride. We got Dynamite has a pretty loaded episode before we head to full gear. We have Anna J, Ty Conti, and Thunder Rosa taking on DMD, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. I'm not again six person. Not for me. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Let's move on. I yeah, these are six great people though. They so are. They I, are. They are. I mean, obviously, obviously, you think the babyface has to win over here because on Sunday they're gonna get you know ties. They're gonna, gonna get, get DMD. DMD. Yeah. yeah. Conti's gonna get DMD. Yeah, gonna get for DMD'd. sure. Yeah. Next up, we have Dax Harwood taking on Pac and what will probably be a pretty violent, hard hitting match. I do love. I do love the promo that Dax had uh, last week. I thought that was good. Um, I just think Pac is just. I don't know. Like I could watch him forever. So for me, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Pac because I think that Pac's the story here and Dax is more of a, a guy you get through. That's how I think about it. Yeah. And this will get us closer to the likely tag match being had to full gear. If it isn't already, we also have the re-debut of Leo Rush teaming with Dante Martin taking on Matt Seidel and Lee Moriarty. So Lee Moriarty is pretty awesome. If you guys like chain wrestling and all this other, like he is a legit, just like, um, Wheeler Zuda. I was Zuda. Wheeler. Utah, excuse me. I think you got it. Wheeler, Utah. Wheeler, Utah. Yeah, excuse me. Those guys from beyond and other places, they, they are they are cracker jacks when it comes to the Daniel Danielson and CM Punk kind of style of stuff. Um, so you'll enjoy them. So Lee's pretty cool. I don't really care for Seidel, so it's whatever. I'm excited for Dante Martin because he doesn't really talk, and Leo has this like great voice and this great vibe. So, and we know Leo can go. So I'm I'm excited to see Dante and and Leo get something somewhere because I actually buy them as a tag team. I do too. They're, they're perfect. It's a perfect match because, like you said, for the reasons you said, they're perfect. We also have Brian Danielson taking on Rocky Romero. Don't give a fuck. Moving on. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then we have the dreaded contract signing between Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page for full gear. I feel bad for the table because inevitably the table, somebody will break <laughs> it. So let's say that uh, there's going to be some cowboy shit through a table because that seems like an inevitability. That's all I'm going to say there. Makes some sense. But Nestlemania, we're going to go to full gear and the entire stats predictions will be up later in the week for full gear. So go to jobbernocker.com. And while you're there, check out NXT, AW, Impact and all our great weekly content. Uh, five stars, five flames on podcasting apps. Buy the merch, tpublic.com slash jobbernocker. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at jobbernocker. Follow the staff. We're all... All our, all our handles are in uh, the description of the podcast. So do all that shit. There are currently eight scheduled bouts. I do expect uh, Cody and Pac versus Andrade and Malachi Black to be added at some point. So that's why you need to check the website because if that gets up there, it'll probably be announced on Dynamite. It'll make the picks. But first up, we have a six-man tag, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express taking on the super click of Adam Colbebe and the Young Bucks. Matt and Nick Jackson, who you got? I kind of feel like either could win in, 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 in this is a false count anywhere scenario, but I feel like the super click has to win because it's kind of like Adam Cole's kind of at this point where he can't lose. If that makes any sense in my opinion. And if he does, I guess I could be talked into it, but I just, uh, I think that they have a lot of plans for Adam Cole specifically, even if it's Adam Cole and Omega, you know, I think that that uh, Adam Cole needs to be looking like a stud, so I'm going to pick Super Click. Yeah, Super Click's going to win after the match. Christian Cage is going to beat the fuck out of Jungle Boy. There's your prediction. Hot take. Boom. We're moving forward. Uh, next up, we have a match that was just added last week, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. I will say this. I'm picking CM Punk, obviously. But uh, if you have not read Eddie Kingston's article on the Players' Tribune yet, take 10 minutes out of your day and read that bad boy because, oh, man, that is an incredible read. But give me CM Punk. We haven't really talked about the promo specifically, but I I thought it was uh, interesting. I thought the promo was really good. I thought it was good television. The only thing I would critique about at all 
was the the fighting afterwards. Like the actual promo, great stuff, made me excited. The Paul Parts never look good. No, really. it's just like it wasn't as Brock Lesnar. No, 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 no. So like, here's the thing, and I, I mean this in the nicest way possible because I love CM Punk. But I think if it was a, a literally a falls kind of anywhere, I would say, yeah, Eddie Kingston would beat the shit out of this guy. But when they try to do jujitsu and Muay Thai and all these other things that you know, crane kicks that CM Punk can do, I'm thinking to myself. I don't fucking believe that. Like when they went down and just did the the whole pull apart, I went. It's the only thing that would take away from it. That's the only thing. But I'm excited for this matchup. I think it is a, a well crafted rush job, if you will. So I agree with that. Yeah, they did. It. They they sold us. They sold this match in a week. So yeah. yeah, bravo to them on that. Next up, we have a feud that has not been a rush job. It has been a slow burn, and that is a singles match between Darby Allen and MJF, seen in Wardlow in their respective corners. WrestleMania, this is a tough one to pick because these are two of the quote-unquote pillars of the company. Darby's coming off some L's where he needs to win, and MJF doesn't lose too option, often. But uh, I do think, man, this is tough, actually. You're going to pick Darby this, Allen, aren't you? I was going to, but I'm just thinking, I was just like, is this is this where we finally get the Wardlow moment? Is this like the breaking point where Wardlow fucks up and then MJF gets mad and fucking we get the we get them actually going? So yeah, give me Darby Allen. Wow. Trouble in MJF Paradise. You know, he's our, he's been selling off the FTR. Um he's got Spears trying to uh shadow Wardlow to make him better. So yeah, I think uh I think Wardlow's gonna cost him the match in some shape or form. Wow. I'm gonna pick MJF because I feel like I can't root against him. So yeah, it's That's hard. It's hard. So next up, we have a tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Uh, FTR challenges the Lucha Brothers. Um, FTR obviously just beat the Lucha Brothers about a month ago for the AAA Tag Team Championships. They're trying here for the sweep, but I do think the Lucha Brothers will win this one and retain their championships. Yeah, I mean, the Lucha Brothers haven't really had a, any type of anything, it seems, going at all when it comes to these yeah, tag titles. which is a shame. Uh, coming off that match they had, they had not done much. I mean, that was like literally probably the match of the year. If not, it's in a category of its own. And and now I'm looking at it going, I completely forgot they were tag champions. So they, yeah. I mean. Oh, I haven't forgot, but yeah, no, they haven't. They, they, they haven't, haven't really been, they haven't been the focus as much as no. they could have been. So that, that, that to me is, ugh, it, 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 it boggles my mind. But again, things we may not know that are out of everybody's hands. So are you picking them? I'm going to go Lucha style, baby. All right. Next up, we have a Minneapolis street fight. The inner circle comprised of Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz versus the men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, with members of American Top Team, Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky, both former UFC heavyweight champions, along with Dan Lambert, Yelly McYellyells, going to get the shit beat out of them. This is also a tough one to pick. Uh, the inner circle is probably the easy choice, but uh, I'm going to pick the uh, men of the year in ATT to win the match, but I think uh, Dan Lambert is going to get what's coming to him in some shape or form in this match. But uh, in terms of the sheet, I guess I'm taking the ATT and uh, men of the year. I guess I, I so I was going to take men of the year because what I see happening at the end of this match, if it's not actually going to happen, this is how I would book it, is that uh, all the guys that win are high-fiving. They leave Dan Lambert behind to just get beat up by five dudes. That's what I think is going to end up happening here. And uh, I think it would be, you know, that the whole point is that Dan Lambert's going to get his ass kicked one way or yeah. the other. That, that's really what it comes down to. And whether it's during the match, whether he hides, it's not whether who wins or loses on this one. It's more about just Dan Lambert getting his ass kicked. So I, I would agree, man of the year, man of the year for sure. Next up, we have the AEW Women's Championship DMD. Dr. Britt Baker defends against Ty Conti, getting her big opportunity here. But uh, Nestlemania, AEW is the DMD show, so she will retain. As long as I get Rebel on my TV, I'll be happy. DMD will. all day long. And I ain't no hater either. So, Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we have the number one contendership, the culmination of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament, where the winner will receive a future AEW World Championship match. Brian Danielson versus Miro. I've already said in my hope. That I hope Miro will win, and I think Miro will win, so I'm gonna pick the upset in Miro. See, I it's tough. I here's my thing. As much as I love Miro, I feel like Brian Danielson losing is bad for business. Mm -hmm. And I think by having Miro lose more, his promos are gonna get even more crazy and more better. I don't disagree better. with that. So I'm going to pick Danielson because I think at the next opportunity, what will happen is that they will screw 
Danielson out of the championship, thus keeping him away from it, instead of doing it this way with Miro. That's what I just, I, I just can't wrap my head around Hayman Danielson being Hayman's first defense. And spoiler alert, main event, Kenny Omega defending against Adam Hayman Page. I'm picking the moment, baby. The main event of Full Gear for Adam Hayman Page. That's the main reason I'm picking Miro, because I still think you can rip apart Miro after he loses to Hayman, and that's when he breaks down. For me, that's just the way I'm like sensationalizing it in my head. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the way I see this uh, playing out. But I do think Hayman is going to have the moment in WrestleMania. We've been waiting for it for a while. It would be amazing if they cut this again, but I just I don't think it's happening. If they don't do it now, there's a lot of other people in line that are he's never gonna get it at this point. Like he just he's never gonna get it. So I, I will never pick gonna it. get it. Never gonna oh, get never it. gonna get it. Ooh. Uh no, but look. So I will pick Hangman. I do have a quick question for you. Answer daily double. Do you think this has lost steam? No. I think because we've said this literally every single time. Every time Hangman makes a return or comes out, the fucking roof blows off the building. Like when he won the fucking Jokers, like the the roof fucking blew off. And every time he's on TV, the fucking place goes nuts. When he hits that fucking buckshot lariat, lariat, we're all going to come our pants. He's winning the championship. <laughs> it's going to be an amazing moment. It's going to be one of the greatest moments in AEW history, if not the greatest. The roof is going to fucking blow off that place in Minneapolis. It's going to be incredible. We're going to remember it. And then we'll see how he does as a babyface champion because that is no easy feat. So I have another question, follow-up. Yep. Do you think, out of everything we've seen, that there is a possibility that this would have worked better with more heat on him? Like, I feel like when I watch this, I think it's just they haven't touched, which is good, really too much. But there's there hasn't been, like, a story in it. Like, it it does bother me that it feels like it's not the it's not the main driving point. Like it's like, well, we're gonna tune in because we're gonna see it, but has it? There's no story there in terms of like the last three weeks. But in terms of long story, clearly well, it's there. That's what I mean. Is I think that it's we've talked about this with maybe some fuse in WWE that like a long term. There's, there's no more story left to tell. Like this story has been written for such a long time it got derailed because uh i believe he had a kid or whatever so it just got pushed off but this story's been written there's nothing they'll do something the contract signing but i expect the match to be a classic i think we'll get the greatest hits of run-ins um with the freaking here comes the lean super click oh here comes the dark order you're gonna get all that nonsense and he's gonna have to overcome it all and i think he will because i think this is a seminal moment for AEW to really be like look at this guy we're going to give him a chance to be the face and we're going to see if he can do it because you guys like him. You want him. You've told us you want him. So fuck it. Let's do it. Let's see it. Let's see how, how he does. You know, do you, I think it's time. Now this is weird. I know cause AEW has only been around for two years and change, but hangman from the very beginning, whether you saw at, you know, midnight when they lost all their contracts from new Japan and everybody else had the, you know, all or nothing logo on their phones and he had AEW. You know, yeah. like that was that was a specific thing. If you go back to the lineage, and I say this, you know, half jokingly, to full gear in general, it was a pay-per-view that was made fun of Hangman Page having to be in full gear because he wasn't in shape. You know what I mean? Like they made it a big thing, and then like the year after that, he was in the greatest tag team match that Dave Meltzer lost his fucking mind over. You know, with the young bucks and the whole thing, like. Is he going to be Mr. Full Gear? Like, is that going to be his thing? Like, well, I was thinking about this the other day. There's Mr. WrestleMania. There's, you know, you could you could make a case for Royal Rumbles and other things. But he could be Mr. Full Gear. He could yeah, be. No, I think I think I think that would be great. Honestly. I think that works. I think he deserves it. And, yeah. and and the final the final um thing I have a question before we head out. Do you think there's a surprise at the end? Oh yeah, I think uh, some of those Ring of Honor folks. We're going to see one or two of them throughout the course of the night. No, I'm seeing at the very know. end. At the very, very the end. Very is there going to be a spectacular? Is there Bray Wyatt? Is there, is there Braun Strowman? I don't think so. Is I there anybody that, that's going to get in there? I think if they were smart, if Hayman wins, you let that breathe, and that's how you close. I think if you're smart. You can have the surprises come at other points of the night. I think if Hayman wins, that that's the moment. That's my opinion. Because I don't think anyone you bring out would match that level in terms of heat. You know what I mean? It's not like you have Daniel Center Punk debuting. I just don't think there's anyone on that level that could show up. Okay. You know what I mean? So. Uh, no, I don't disagree with you. If he's going to get his moment, he should deserve his moment. I don't think he should be squashed by anybody. So I get it. All right. Yeah. That's just what I think. All right. I think that's pretty much it. 
All right, boss. All right. Well, we thank you for listening to the Jobber Knocker. We hope you liked everything we did today, and we'll be back next week with more Jobber Knockery. Bye bye. <laughs>